Uh, John's Gospel in chapter number 6, we began this morning. We looked at uh, one of the miracles Jesus did in the Gospel of John. We called it the miracle of change. And that's the first work he's going to do. If if you get saved, uh, if you meet the Lord, he's going to change you. I had a preacher in a meeting here a while back where a gentleman in a meeting come and asked me if I knew a preacher whom I had went to Bible school with. And I said, yes, sir, I know him. I hadn't seen him in many years. He's a missionary doing a good work for the Lord. And he said, well, I was just going to tell you how his salvation came about. He said, ever since I've been saved, said the Lord's led me to just knock on doors. And he said, somebody told me about this old boy. Dale Painter is his name. He wouldn't mind me telling you. Uh, and said Dale was a wicked sinner. Said he dealt in drugs and alcohol and everything. This was back in the 70s. And he said, I got under a burden. And so me and another fellow went to his house and said, Boy, when I pulled up, I knew it was going to be bad. Said the grass was as high as the fence. And the windows were broken out. The door was half hanging on its hinges. Inside was worse than outside and said there's drunks laying around everywhere, people on drugs. And he said, I walked through the door and I didn't know who was who and I just spoke out and said, I've come to see Dale Painter. He said, I heard a voice over in the corner in a dark spot sitting in the floor. He said, I'm Dale. He said, Dale, I come here to share with you about the Lord Jesus, how he loved you, how he died for you, how he wants to save you. And said, I just wondered... If, uh, if you'd want to be saved, he said, out of that dark spot, old Dale answered back and said, yeah, I think I would. He said, it shocked me. I said, you mean to tell me you really, you, you would get down here on the floor? Would you ask Jesus that I give him some more gospel? Would you ask him to come in the yard? He said, yeah, I think I will. And he said, old Dale got down there and prayed. And he said, I got back in the car. I told my buddy, he said, this guy here just buffaloed us. He said, he's just trying to get rid of us. And pulled the wool over on our eyes. And he said, I left out of there. And oh, he said a couple of weeks later, I told my wife, said, I'm going to go over and visit that fellow and see whatever become of that. He said, I drove up. And he said, I knew that I was at the right house because I had the same number there on the, on the mailbox. But he said, nothing looked the same. He said, his yard was mowed perfect. He said, all the windows were fixed. He said, the door was on the hinges. The whole outside had been painted. Everything looked meticulous. He said, I walked up and said, I knocked on the door and said, here come the same man to the door. He opened the door and he said, he called my name, said, Bill, said, this thing about Jesus really works, don't it? And he said, I thought about that verse. He said, I know this is not the application. This is not what it means. But he said, I couldn't help but think about it. Uh, where, where it talked about uh, believing on the Lord Jesus, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. He said, I think his house got saved. He said, his windows were saved, his door was saved, his yard was saved, his grass was saved, his fence was saved. And uh, he said, it's just amazing how the Lord could change somebody. Well, I'm glad he's in the changing business, aren't you? Transformation. But I want to go a step further and read here in uh, John's Gospel, chapter number 6. And I I want to uh, preach tonight and possibly the rest or the remaining of my services here on this matter of a a miracle of of ministry. A miracle of ministry. 
And we're going to notice how that Jesus takes bread, breaks it, and gives it to the multitude ministering unto their needs. It reminded me of what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. And so this matter of bread, of course, is a matter of a of a ministry. And I call it the miracle of ministry because it involves a, a, a heavenly work. It is a divine miracle that Jesus is a part of. And here's what I want to emphasize to you. I'm not just interested in being a part of anything. I don't want to just spin my wheels. But I want to be involved in what heaven's involved in. I want to be a part of, of a miracle of ministry. I want to be able to end up saying, you know what? That couldn't have been done if the Lord had not have done it through me. A miracle of not just a ministry on any level, but thank God realizing that God is working in you and God is working through you to be effective in this old world. Now, let's read these verses and uh, we'll preach tonight on the miracle of the blessed ministry. Verse 1, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw the miracles which he did on them that were diseased. Jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks... He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. Tonight I preach on the miracle of a blessed ministry. I categorize it as a blessed ministry because I notice that Jesus does what we do Prior to our eating, he blesses the food. Not only that, he gives thanks and blesses the Heavenly Father for the food. I think the people are blessed because they were 
hungry, famished, and now they're able to eat and be full. That would be a blessing. The disciples are certainly blessed because they're getting 12 baskets full out of it. And then I think even the little boy had to be blessed as he went home and told others about how much came from uh, his little bit of a meal. So there just seems to be a blessing on every level. Which leads me to say that you can't beat serving the Lord in ministry. You'll always get out of it. They'll always come out of it more than what you put into it. And what you'll have to realize and what you will realize when it's all said and done is that you're the one that's been blessed. Have you ever went somewhere and said, I went there to be a blessing, but I'll tell you, I came away. I think I was the one that received the blessing. Anytime you're interested in being of service to the Lord or being a part of a, a miracle of ministry, I want you to know that, that it will be a blessing. Now, there are simply uh, four things that I want to say about this miracle, not just any ministry, but miracle of ministry, that which God has His hand in and that which cannot be accomplished unless the Lord is a part of it. I want you to notice with me, first of all, if there is going to be a miracle of ministry, somebody is going to have to set it up. Uh, Somebody is going to have to start that ministry. Somebody is going to have to initiate that ministry. Somebody is going to have to be in the beginning of that ministry. And of course, we know who that is because we see it here in verse number 5 and verse number 6. Jesus initiates this ministry by basically asking a question that cannot be answered and then giving a command that seemed to be so senseless. He says unto them, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And then once they begin their calculating and conclude that it cannot be done, then he gives this command that doesn't make sense because if you don't have any bread, why are you doing this? Make the men sit down. But the truth of the matter is what Jesus is doing is he's setting up this operation of God on earth. And I'm going to tell you, I love, as I say, to be a part of that which God initiates, which Christ begins. I mean, salvation itself is a work of heaven on earth. It's God's beginning and God's ending as far as our lives are concerned in this matter of redemption. And so it is here that, that there is something that, that Christ wants to do. And so he, he sets it up. First of all, he sets it up based upon his own faith. Now, if you read this text, you realize that if it had been left up to these disciples, and I'm not throwing any stones because uh, I think that's the way it is every time when God wants to do something, we cannot see clearly into what he's wanting to do. And so when he asked them to feed the multitude or how it shall be done, Nobody has an answer for that. Uh, They come together and give him the conclusion in the business meeting. They just ask Judas. He carries the bag and they ain't got enough money. They found that out. They've searched around and it seems impossible. So they come to Christ and they say, well, you know, it uh, just can't be done. So they don't believe that it can be done. 
But yet Jesus gives that command and says, have them to sit down. Now, why does he have them to sit down? It's because he believes something that they do not believe. That is, he believes that he, through the power of the Spirit, can take five loaves and two fishes and feed five, ten, fifteen thousand people. Now, I'm sure that the disciples were uh, a little despondent to begin with. Can you imagine as Jesus tells him, them to sit down and then he begins to break this little bit of bread and he gives it to the disciples and then they proceed to feed the multitude. But they don't have any faith. Well, it's hard to do something you don't have any faith in. Uh, that's why I don't like to go to the doctor. I don't have a whole lot of faith. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's why I, you know, I, I'm discouraged when it comes to government. I don't have a whole lot of faith. Well, nobody there had any faith. Nobody. Zippo. None of them believed you could do it. But they began the process. And, of course, as they started, they were reluctant, no doubt. And I'm thinking as probably uh, they were thinking, and I could see them as they go back through the, uh, through the crowd, and, and I can hear them say, Now, look, you just get one. Don't, don't overdo it. Just get you one there. Just get you one. And, and you just get one. And, and if you will, split it with her over there. We ain't going to have enough. I, I, this is embarrassing. And you just, you know, get you one. And, and if you will, you and your wife split one. And, and take that and give the kid a little. It's just it's not going to be good. And, and don't you know, haven't you felt that way in your own personal life at times when you doubted the Lord and you didn't think it's going to be enough or he's going to see you through? But, but in the end of the process, can you imagine by the time they got back through a thousand, they're thinking, man, where's this coming from? I don't even see no trucks. And there's two thousand, and there's three thousand, five thousand, not counting women and children. And finally they get all the way back and they say, here, put some in your pocket. Take some home. We'll like we got more. So you got any grand youngins? Take some of your grand youngins. We, all this stuff is, is, is keep on coming. And when it's all over with, They have taken five loaves and two fishes and fed a huge multitude. Now, they didn't believe you could do it. But there was one there that day who's the embodiment of faith. He is the author and finisher of faith and he knew he could do it. When it was all over with, I can see those men as they go back to their houses and they said, honey, you wouldn't believe it that you can take five loaves and two fishes and feed 20,000 people. They said, you're crazy. He said, no, I'm not. I witnessed it. They operated. You see, he has to be the initiator of his ministries in our lives because if he's not, you're not going to be able to believe it through. You won't even be able to believe to get it started. It's going to be bigger than you, bigger than me. But thank God, no matter how big it is, if he orders it, he'll pay for it. He'll get it done. It is an operation that only he can do because it is an operation of faith. But not only must he set it up in his faith, but I notice he sets it up in his foreknowledge. It's based upon what he knows. Notice it in verse number 5. When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw the great multitude coming to him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? Verse 6 is the key. And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. All along before it even starts, 
He already knows the conclusion of the matter. Aren't you glad that He is omniscient in His work here on earth? He's not left it up to you and I to figure it out. He's not left it up to our schemes and schematics. But it's according to His knowledge and His knowing. It's based upon what He knows. But also it's based upon what you don't know. You see, someone said the Lord will never ask you to do anything that you cannot do and how that, that's false. He's not going to ask you to do something you can do because if you can do it, you don't need Him. But what He's going to do is He's always going to ask you to do something that you've got no way of knowing how to do it. You are hopeless and you are helpless. But hey! It's not embarrassing for folks to find out that you're not as smart as Jesus is. It's okay to say, I don't know how to pastor. I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to do the work of the Lord. I don't know how to do it, but I'm not supposed to know how to do it because the one that does know how to do it is here to do it. I'm depending upon His knowledge. It's based upon what he knows. He knows the what. He knows the who. He knows the where. He knows the when. He knows it all. I like what one mountain fellow said in North Carolina. He said, it would take a great big old book to hold everything I don't know. And brothers and sisters, it sure would. But here's the good news. I don't have to know. I don't have to know where it's coming from. I don't know, have to know how it's going to get there. I don't know, have to know how to do it. All I need to do is do what he said and depend upon the fact that he will see it through. He knows. So he is the one who is setting it up. Let us be a part of something that is divine, that is so big and so glorious that it's above and beyond our human abilities and contemplations. But thank God he can. He can. And if he starts it, thank God he's going to finish it. Aren't you glad he knows? Aren't you glad he knows? Now, in this blessed ministry, miracle of a ministry, somebody's got to initiate it. Somebody's got to start it. Somebody's got to, don't let it be me, Lord. You start it. You begin it. You be my wisdom. You, you be my faith. You, you, be, you be all in all, Lord. I, I just want to submit to what you want to do in me and through me no matter how big it is. Now, the second thing that I want to point out to you is that If there is going to be the miracle of the blessed ministry, not only is somebody going to have to set it up, somebody is going to have to give it up. Now, look, if you will, in verse number 9. There is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Now, here is where your part, comes in and mine in this in this heavenly ministry on earth. It is this truth. When God desires to do something from heaven on earth, it will always involve 
an earthly substance. Always, you just check it out. Anywhere in Scripture, it's going to involve some kind of an earthly material. And it will be more times than not something that someone possesses that he has given them that really originated from him and he has blessed them with. But if he's going to minister to others in in this miraculous ministry, what he's going to have to do is, is he's going to have to have somebody give up what they've got. Someone who's not possessive. Someone who does not feel like that, that it's their own. But they realize that, that he wants it, he needs it, and they're willing to let him use it or have it. Somebody's got to give it up. Here in this text we find that it is this young lad who gives it up. But sometimes it will be an older person. Sometimes it will be of any age. Sometimes it will be a man. Sometimes it will... I'm here to tell you that if you are God's child and you want to be a part of what He's doing, somewhere along the line, He's going to ask you to give something up. It's going to involve either your time, it'll involve your talent, it'll involve your your money, it'll involve you having to make a move, it'll involve something that you're going to have to surrender to Him as this boy does. Now, for years we've all rejoiced and should about this boy that gives up his bread. But I want you to know that when God wants something, as he does with this bread that is here. There's something that somebody is going to have to give up. It is, it is, it will be personal, as I've said. Each one of us will find our place to where God wants what you've got. And isn't it a blessing for the Lord to come to you and say, Hey, in this miracle of ministry, I want what you've got. I want to use your time. I want to use your voice. I want to use your prayer. I want to use your giving. You've got what I want, what you've got. Thank God He's given you something that He wants to involve so that you can be a part of what He's doing. It is personal. And I want to say to you, it's sacrificial. This boy is giving up all that he has as far as a meal is concerned, to be used in this ministry. Now again, uh, we have rejoiced about this boy giving his meal up. But it's easy to, to get all excited about what somebody else has given up. It's easy to say, oh, did you hear what the offering was somebody gave? Or did you know that so-and-so is going to the mission field? It's awful easy to rejoice about somebody giving up what they've got for the Lord. That's one of the things that I've got about got uh, uh, wrong or, uh, or what I don't like about our government. They sound so really pious and sentimental when they, think, when they talk about welfare and taking care of all the poor, taking care of all the needy, and taking care of all the world. But they're not giving away their money. They're giving away yours and mine. They don't mind being $17 trillion in debt. Why? It ain't their money. 
What I want to say is if y'all will bring all of y'alls and everything you've got and put it in one spot, I'll bring mine there and be glad to put mine on top of it. But until you do, leave mine alone. Let me decide on what I want to do with it. I thought I'd get a few amens out of that. It's awfully easy to look at what somebody else is doing and rejoice in it. But I want you to know, if you're a child of God, there's going to come that time that He is going to ask you to give it up. Somebody's going to have to set it up. He'll set it up. But somebody's going to have to give it up. Are you willing to give it up so He can perform that blessed ministry? Now... The third thing I want to say to you, in this matter of a, a, a miracle of a blessed ministry, somebody's got to set it up. Jesus will do that. Somebody's got to give it up. Sometimes we have to do that. Look, if you will, in these verses here. Uh, the Bible said in verse number 11, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. You see, somebody will serve it up, somebody, or somebody will give it up, somebody will set it up, and then somebody's got to serve it up. This is where the disciples, uh, these 12 men are involved. They are taking what Jesus is breaking, and they are catering, as this gentleman said, to the needs of the people that are there. Now, in every scenario, and I want you to get this, there are two types of people. There are those who come to be spectators. They want to look on to see what is happening. But then there are those who are participators. They want to get their hands dirty. They want to be a part of what God is doing. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't be satisfied with just going to church. I wouldn't be satisfied with just hearing the singing and hearing the preaching. But what my heart would want to say is, Lord, somewhere in the midst of that service, is there something you want me to do? Can I hug somebody's neck? Can I get down and pray with somebody? Can I, Lord, would you want me to serve, to be the servant and serve it up? Now here's... The encouraging part of it, it is this. In every church, you've got, of course, the overall crowd that will come on Sunday morning. But for the most part, uh, probably if you've got 100, only 10 or 15 of them are carrying the real load. Is that not true? In the giving, in the teaching, in the attending... In every facet of that service, only, only a few of them are, are pulling the load. Every pastor knows that. I knew that. I pastored 22 years. I knew that not everybody that showed up on Sunday morning was interested in being a part of anything that was going on. They were just there. They were going to leave. But thank God for that, that small number that is always there to be the encouragement and to carry the load of whatever has to be done, they are willing to do so. Aren't you glad for those 
people. And I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. You probably wouldn't be here on Sunday night unless you were willing to be a part of that and willing to, uh, to bear up under the, the load and, and the needs that are there. But the thing that leaped out at me, in the ratio of the number of people that were here and the people that were handing out the bread, we know that there are 12 disciples. But in this crowd here, there's 5,000 at the least. Not counting women and children, if there were three children per family with a wife, that would be 25,000 people. What amazes me is how so so few could take care of such a vast need. Which leads me to say that the Lord doesn't need a whole lot to get His work done. Don't get discouraged because everybody's not in your patch. Not everybody's helping. He don't need everybody. If they don't want to, that's all right. Because it don't take a whole lot to get it done. Twelve disciples feeding 25, possibly 1,000 people. Thank God for the few who can get the work done for the many. Here it is that they're willing to serve. They're just constantly serving and serving and serving and serving. And thank God for those who will serve it up. I'm talking about in this matter of a blessed ministry, somebody's going to have to set it up. Somebody's going to have to give it up. Somebody is going to have to serve it up. But then look, if you will, down... In verse number, uh, verse number uh, 12, the Bible said, And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Somebody's going to have to pick it up. Here, everything's over. Everybody's eating. Uh, folks are no doubt breaking up. They're headed to the house. No thought of anything else. But everybody knows that that's not the end. Uh, somebody's going to have to hang around a little longer than others. But oh, I'm going to tell you, there's a blessing in hanging around. Because in hanging around, they experienced what nobody else was able to experience. They not only saw each person get their portion, but they themselves were able to retain a basketful. And can you imagine at the end of that, while they were picking that up, the rejoicing in their heart as they talked about what they saw in this miracle of a ministry. They were hanging around until it was all said and done. Till the, till the lights were turned off and the doors was locked. They were the last ones there. They didn't come to get out. They came to get in. To enjoy the fullness of the blessedness of what God was doing. I want to be there to the end, don't you? I don't want to get halfway through and quit. I don't want to run home. With, I want to be there so that if it happens, I can be there when it happens. I can be one of those that have remained behind to squeeze the juice out of what God's doing. Even if it involves the menial task 
of getting down and picking it up. There's a preacher back in the mountains of North Carolina, an old timey spirit. I call him the gospel Mark Twain. He just has a way of wording things, phrases. He writes songs that are that are wonderful, quaint songs, gospel songs. And when he comes around to the meetings that we are in, we always tell him to bring his guitar because I want to hear him sing some of his songs. One of the songs that that he wrote, he talks about a king who goes down into the midst of a busy highway, byway, many years ago, and he places an obstacle, a huge boulder there, has one place. He goes back up on the hill there and he watches those who travel by to see their response. And of course, when they get to this large stone, initially they are frustrated and aggravated, wondering what it's doing there, realizing that it's, it's hindering them. And so what they would do is begin to beat a path around this side and a path around that side. Some would come and just crawl over the top of it. But it seemed that no one was concerned about the others who would follow, just how they could manage to get beyond it. And then finally there comes this gentleman coming through the byway. He has a burden upon his own shoulder, a heavy burden. He stops and he looks at that hindrance, that stone, and he begins to think about all those that would come behind him. The possibly the sick baby that's being taken to the doctor and it's going to to hinder their time or possibly the man who has to leave early to go to work in the dark and trying to work his way around it or possibly trying to get uh, groceries back and forth just all of the scenarios he's thinking about as he as he is he what in his mind as he sees these people coming so what he does is he takes his burden over to the side He lays it down, goes up on the bank and breaks a limb out to use in leverage. He takes it over there to that large stone and he begins to pry. He begins to push. He begins to shove. And he works many, many hours sweating until finally, 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 he has a huge boulder out of the middle of the byway so others could quickly go to town. But when he turns around, he notices that right in the middle of the the byway, right under the center of that stone, the king had put a pot of gold. For the one person who was willing to take out time and lay aside his burden to help somebody else. And he realized what a blessing it was to help others. And the truth of the matter tonight is there is, as I say, always a greater blessing in your willingness to be used of God on this day, on this day, to minister to somebody else. 
And it'll always be a, a work, a miracle of a, of a blessed ministry. And I don't know about you, Jesus said I, concerning himself that he did, not, he did not come to be served. He came to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's why his life and hey, children of God, may it be so in your life and my life. May we find ourselves praying and say, Lord, make this a place of ministry. Amen. To where you, in your divine way, can work through this church, work through this pastor, work through our hearts, and do a work in sinners' lives, saints' lives. Meet needs that when we get old and gray-headed, we'll say, boy, wasn't a Lord in that. And what a blessing to be a part of a miracle ministry. Being used of God. Let's stand and bow our heads.